His Morning Crew with Rob, Allison, and Jim. Kevin Sorbo and his wife Sam along with us this morning. Let There Be Light, the movie is on DVD. We'll tell you about that in just a moment. But we've been thinking about Billy Graham because we're just at the funeral last week. Kevin, I know you have a personal story. Where would you be without Billy Graham? Well, you know, it was interesting. It was during um, a, a, a church trip to see him speak when I was just 13 years old. Uh, back in uh, the suburbs of Minnesota there, and he spoke in the St. Paul Fairgrounds, and there had to be at least 200,000 people there. And he, you know, like they do at all these, you know, places when they have wonderful, amazing speakers come, they always ask you to come up if you want to pray or talk and meet with some of the volunteers. And I was up there uh, talking and just really having a really interesting conversation with one of his volunteers, and we did a prayer, and all of a sudden I felt a hand on my head, and I looked up. And it, it was an amazing experience because not only was it Billy Graham, but the full moon is right behind his head. So he had this halo, this glow behind his head. And it was like, ah, mm. you know, like the <laughs> angels singing. And I got goosebumps just running up and down my little body. You know, I was 13 years old. It was just pretty, uh, it was pretty impressionable for me. Amazing. And now so neat to see how your story has evolved over the years. And now you're sharing your faith through movies. Uh, Kevin and his wife, Sam, worked very closely together on the movie Let there be light. Here's a little clip. Do you believe that God hears? God always answers prayers. Sometimes we just don't understand the answers. You two are quite the dynamic duo in so many ways. Sam, what was it like working so closely on this project with each other? Well, you know what? We work very well together. We're very compatible. And uh, so it was, it was a lot of fun. There was a little bit of, um, uh, jockeying for our our own views a little bit, but uh, in the end, I think I think we both got the film that we wanted to make. So it was a lot of fun. The boys are in the movie also, and so that was just it was just great. They showed up and they did a great job, and I couldn't be prouder of them. And uh, I couldn't be prouder of the movie, frankly. I'm so thrilled that now it'll reach a lot farther than it ever got a chance to do in the theaters. Well, the creative process always has a little bit of arm wrestling, so that's a good thing, though. I, I, I like other people's opinions, and uh, Sam has hers, I have mine, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm smart enough to realize that everybody that I want to hire knows their job better than me, so I don't, <laughs> I don't try to get in their way. So in the movie, Kevin, you play like, uh, what's the best way to put it, like a horrible kind of character. You seem to be really good at that, dude. How do you make that work? Well, you know, it's, uh, I, I did play atheist college professor. That might be redundant. I should just say college professor. And, and, and God's not dead. Um, this guy, though, he's like Hitchens and, or, or Dawkins. He's the world's famous, uh, world's most famous atheist. Mm. And uh, as I tell people, look, there's more than one atheist in the world. So it's, it's not me playing to him is, is just a small drop in a bucket. But, uh, you know, as, as my wife says, the best way to think of, of playing an atheist is, um, you know, think of a Christian and then take away all reasons and accountability and you're there. <laughs> Sam, I want to ask you, I saw some videos online where you were talking about all the emails um, and, and just messages that you were receiving from people who saw this movie. I wondered if you have kind of a favorite story that's come from this, from someone impacted by the message of hope that's in Let There Be Light. 
I actually do. Um, we we both, Kevin and I, got so many emails from people who were so profoundly affected by the movie. But but uh, one of the emails in particular uh, had the same story of, of the whole audience sat and applauded at the end of the movie, sat through the credits, and then got up and left the theater and talked to strangers. And this particular couple on their way out, they saw an elderly couple uh, sort of sort of crying. And she said, you know, it was one of those moments where you just felt the, the shared humanity you just felt like hugging perfect strangers and they went and talked to them and these um this couple had lost their grandson uh six years before and they said this was the first time that they felt like they really had the opportunity to grieve properly and uh, the film was sort of cathartic for them to 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 have a to, to to be able to settle the the loss of their grandson six years before mm, amazing Kevin Sorbo along with us with Sam. Let There Be Light is out on DVD. Kevin, what's your hope for this film and how it's going to touch lives? Well, you know, it's been amazing. As Sam just mentioned, we've got so many emails from people when the movie was out there in October, November, December. And uh, we're now out there in a number of countries around the world as well. Um, I just have an, I got an amazing email from a man up in Canada just yesterday saying how he was also a Christian, his wife was not, and through a series of the movies that I have done, she became a Christian now, and he said that uh, they cried and they, they just, they said the relationship was closer than it's ever been. And I think that's what it is, is just really show people that there's hope out there, there's redemption. We have so much negativity out there right now. There's a lot of the movies that come out today, they, they it's violent, they're overly sexual, they're, they, they preach such an agenda of their own. And um, the culture of America has taken a beating right now where America came from and where it was founded on. So, you know, we just want to give back to that and try to get people to uh, look. I'm going to segue a little bit here. I used to get stopped all the time for Hercules or Andromeda. I travel a lot through airports. I get stopped over and over again. It is now because of God's Not Dead, Let There Be Light, Abel's Field, What If, movies like that, and say, please make more movies like that. Mm -hmm. So what we're hoping is that people do support these movies. And uh, we actually have a church outreach with this as well. And I think Sam should throw that in there right now. We're offering the film to churches right now for the next month or so. Uh, if, you're, if your church wants to do a fundraiser, you can get the movie for free, screen it, and uh, use it as a fundraiser. Uh, and that's just, we're, we're trying to get this, this message to as many people as possible. There's a, there's a great deal of power in storytelling. And a lot of the stories that are being told are putting the audience in the position of rooting for the bad guy. And that's not good for society. It's not good for us. Uh, and so we want to tell stories of hope. Yeah, and the story of hope is getting out. It's Kevin Sorbo and Sam. His morning crew. The funeral of Billy Graham, I think, touched so many people in different ways. For me, the one child of Billy Graham that really connected with me, and they were all well-spoken, but Ruth Graham, their daughter, named after mom, Ruthie Graham, uh, she did not have the perfect life. I mean, you would think that Billy Graham's children, they had the, the best life possible as they would live it out for God. But she kind of strayed a little bit. She said openly, I was stubborn, I was willful, I was sinful. She went through, she said, two divorces. And the second man that she married, she figured out within 24 hours she had made a grave mistake. The only thing that she could think of going to is a two-hour ride. Uh, a two-day ride, rather, going up the mountain in Montreat to her parents' house, Ruth and Billy Graham. And she was thinking all of these thoughts of what they would say once she reached their doorstep. What was I going to say to Daddy? What was I going to say to Mother? 
What was I going to say to my children? I'd been such a failure. What were they going to say to me? You, we, we're tired of fooling with you. We told you not to do it. You've embarrassed us. And let me tell you, you women will understand you don't want to embarrass your father. You really don't want to embarrass Billy Graham. <laughs> and many of you know that we live on the side of a mountain. And as I wound myself up the mountain, I rounded the last bend in my father's driveway, and my father was standing there waiting for me. As I got out of the car, he wrapped his arms around me and he said, welcome home. There was no shame, there was no blame, there was no condemnation, just unconditional love. Unconditional love. Man, that just touched me because I have a very similar background as go as far as going astray and being sinful and, and being stubborn. And it wasn't until I just said, God, I need you. And there was no shame. It was open arms saying, welcome home. And I'm thinking that message that that she shared about her daddy on how forgiving and how open he was is that same message that could be for you today. And if you've been traveling down the road where you've been stubborn, you've been sinful, you've been willful yourself, if you just take that 180 and go right to God, his arms are open wide and he's saying, welcome home. That definitely brought me to tears. And uh, I remember Ruth also saying, you know, her dad wasn't God. Billy Graham was not God, but he did an amazing job of showing God's love, especially to his kids. Yeah, there wasn't many dry eyes. Alice was not alone mm. after she said that because just about all of us were, were crying. Mornings with Rob, Allison, and Jim. We're all still kind of processing uh, the fact that we were there and witnessed Billy Graham's funeral on Friday. All five of Billy Graham's children spoke at the funeral, and they were all so unique but so powerful in their own way. And I was really moved by Anne Graham Lotz and the promise that she made to her father. There is hope for tomorrow. This life is not all there is. The best is yet to come. So I want to make a pledge to my daddy. And I pledge to you, daddy, that in view of his appearing and in front of all of these witnesses, I will preach the word. I will do the work of an evangelist. I will share the gospel. And I will run my race and live my life so that five minutes before I see Jesus, I have no regrets. I will live my life to exalt and glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Wow. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> it gets me fired up. She said Billy Graham's death is as significant as his life, which is pretty incredible because his life was definitely significant. But she sees his death as strategic from heaven's point of view, because she feels like it's a message from God saying, wake up church, wake up world, wake up Allison. She said, wake up Anne, because the Bible says when the gospel is preached to the whole world, then the end will come. And in Billy Graham's death, the gospel was preached far and wide. 
In his life, he reached millions, but even in his death, his gospel, or the, the gospel reached so many people. Yeah, I mean, every news organization you could think of was there, and it was going out, and still is today, because people are still going on and streaming that funeral. But to hear Ann Graham Lott say that at least five minutes before she dies, she will have no regrets as long as she continues to preach that gospel, that, that promise that she made to Daddy. Mm. Wow, that's strong. She's like Billy Graham Jr. Oh. That's what she is. She's a gifted lady, but she's using her gift for the Lord in such a powerful way. His morning crew. Now, uh, it was just overwhelming, the uh, Billy Graham uh, funeral that we had the privilege of going to. And we're still sitting there thinking, wow, did we really go to that? It was surreal, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, out of the 2,400 people that were there, we had the opportunity to yeah, be there. That was us? amazing. And you can take any 30-second snippet from there and say, wow, that was my favorite part. No, the next one's my favorite part because all of it was fantastic. Everyone who spoke, everyone who sang, it was just awesome. And then when you look around the room, there's like uh, the Hall of Fame of ministry leaders right there in front of you. And there's cardinals, there's rabbis, there was just all kinds of things. And on one side, you have the national media, other side, you have local media. And then there's Billy Graham up in that, that box made by a prisoner simple man, humble, and he would have been embarrassed if he was actually there, but he was busy. He was very happy in heaven. But uh, what really got to me was at the very end, after the gospel went out one more time, you know, around the globe because of the media and everybody who was there, the bagpipes just came in from like the back of the room. And that always chokes me up anyway, because it's usually at a funeral. And it came in, everyone was standing. And he went all the way up to the casket and then just walked back towards the uh, library. And then they took the body of uh, Billy Graham and just followed along. It's just like, it was like an exclamation point to his whole life. It's like, it ended right there. And uh, his time was done here. Even though he was already in heaven, it was just a final statement. And that was, uh, I had no words after that. Yeah. Gets me as, chills hearing that now. As you watch that on TV, which a lot of people did, they weren't. Not everybody was at the funeral, but for those who were at the funeral, we didn't have the sound of the bagpipes with us the whole time. So when they had taken that casket and then they walked him off into the distance, we heard the fade of the bagpipes as they were going off mm-hmm. to where they were going to bury Billy Graham and where he was going to be resting on earth with his body. Of course, his soul and spirit are in heaven. But then just faded out, just kind of faded out. It was like his, his last farewell mm. to everyone right there. Amazing. It really was. It was a powerful thing from start to finish. And everybody that spoke uh, was was just touching and powerful. And it's, it will stick with us for a long time. Mornings with Rob, Allison and Jim. Anxiety and fear are cousins, but not twins. You see, fear sees a threat. Anxiety imagines one. Fear screams, get out. Anxiety ponders, what if? Could you use some calm? Well, God is ready to give it. With God as your helper, you'll sleep better tonight, smile more tomorrow. You'll reframe the way you face your fears. You'll learn how to talk yourself off the ledge. View bad news through the lens of sovereignty. Discern the lies of Satan and tell yourself the truth. Anxiety comes in life, but it doesn't have to dominate your life. 
This is uh, some thoughts that are from Max Lucado's new devotional, Trade Your Cares for Calm. And we'd love to give you a copy of this book. We're giving one away on our Facebook page. Yeah, just to answer the question when you go to our Facebook page, how are you, uh, what do you need prayer for? The struggles and the anxiety that you're going through. How can we pray for you for that? Just leave that comment there. We'll pray for you and you'll have that opportunity to win that Max Lucado book. That's on our Facebook page. Mornings with Rob, Allison, and Jim. Australian swimmer George Cornar. Wednesday night, this dude broke the world record for the 50-meter freestyle. Now, let me tell you what the world record is. It's a Brazilian swimmer. He did the 50-meter freestyle in 21 seconds and 21.30 seconds. That's how fast the world record is. You know how fast George did it, the Australian swimmer? Hmm. Wild guess. Wild guess. What do you think? He broke the world record. 19 seconds. Okay. Allison? 18 seconds. No, 56.12 seconds. Yeah! The dude's 99. So he won it in his age group. He plans on doing it again when he's 100 because he'll be in the 100 to 105 age group. The guy who held the world record in his age category did it in a minute six. He wanted to get 58 seconds. He got down to 56, which is cool. Way to go. Yeah. And let me tell you, I've seen this guy swim in the pool. To me, he looks fast, and I try to do triathlons. My weakest point is the swim. This dude can do circles around me, man. He's 99. So it wasn't 19 seconds? No, it wasn't. The other guy was a lot younger. (laughs) Okay. He's fast, though. I couldn't do that. Jim, do you feel inspired, though? Not really. Come on, I think Jim should do. I think Allison's going this, mm. going here. You should try for the world record in your age group. <laughs> yeah, let's look that up. Whoa, my age group, I hate that sound. <laughs> Mornings with his morning crew. Miss Allison Storm has just made another discount grocery store discovery. Come with me to the grocery store. I've got your goodies for you. Nice little cup full of yumminess. Wait a minute. Why'd you give me that one? (laughs) Because it's yours. Yeah, but something's wrong with it then. (laughs) There's not something wrong with it. Well, Well, except that it's a little old. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little old. Mm -hmm. That's why it's a discount grocery store discovery. So what do we have in our hands? Well, I feel like out of all of us, you should be an expert in this. It's Brussels sprouts. Good job. Thank Uh, you. Way to go. Now try them. See Uh what you think. They're pickled. Are they pickled? Maybe. Mmm. They certainly are. There. Mm-hmm. Mmm. Mm. You like it? That's okay. It's better than your average Brussels sprout because I'm not a Brussels sprout fan. Well, mm. these are hickory Brussels sprouts. Zesty pickled Brussels sprouts. Mm. Um, they are best by October 23rd, 2017, but in my defense... They're pickled. Pickled stuff lasts for like a decade, doesn't it? Are you it? sure they're supposed to be pickled? <laughs> yes, they're supposed to be pickled. All right. These are handcrafted and hand-packed in Sacramento, California. If you were to buy this same identical jar on Amazon, well, it's probably not as old as this jar, but <laughs> you would pay $9.99 plus shipping. How much? Come on, How much, much was, was it? it? Sorry. $1, people. Hey! Come with me to the grocery store. Oh, come with me to the grocery store. I'll 
more than just pretty voices. We're all still kind of processing uh, the fact that we were there and witnessed Billy Graham's funeral on Friday. All five of Billy Graham's children spoke at the funeral and they were all so unique, but so powerful in their own way. And I was really moved by Anne Graham Lotz and the promise that she made to her father. There is hope for tomorrow. This life is not all there is. The best is yet to come. So I want to make a pledge to my daddy. And I pledge to you, daddy, that in view of his appearing and in front of all of these witnesses, I will preach the word. I will do the work of an evangelist. I will share the gospel. And I will run my race and live my life so that five minutes before I see Jesus, I have no regrets. I will live my life to exalt and glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Wow. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Gets me fired up. She said Billy Graham's death is as significant as his life, which is pretty incredible because his life was definitely significant. But she sees his death as strategic from heaven's point of view, because she feels like it's a message from God saying, wake up church, wake up world, wake up Allison. She said, wake up Anne, because the Bible says when the gospel is preached to the whole world, then the end will come. And in Billy Graham's death, the gospel was preached far and wide. In his life, he reached millions, but even in his death, his gospel, or the, the gospel reached so many people. Yeah, I mean, every news organization you can think of was there, and it was going out, and still is today, because people are still going on and streaming that funeral. But to hear Ann Graham Lotz say that at least five minutes before she dies, she will have no regrets as long as she continues to preach that gospel, that, that promise that she made to daddy. Mm. Wow, that's strong. She's like Billy Graham Jr. Oh. That's what she is. She's a gifted lady, but she's using her gift for the Lord in such a powerful way. His morning crew. It's not on purpose, but I just fail miserably. <laughs> if you're in that boat, hey, we're in that together. And I looked at our encouraging word today, and it's Proverbs 21, verse 30, and it says this. No human wisdom or understanding or plan can stand against the Lord. It's like we got to surrender it all to him. It's Proverbs 21, verse 30. That's our encouraging word. You can find that on our Facebook page and share it with others or at hisradio.com. Mornings with his morning crew. Rob's Big Losers is going strong. I hope you've been following their blogs. If you haven't, you will be so inspired when you go to hisradio.com. You'll see them chronicle their journey right there, the ups, the downs, the things that are working, the things that are not working. And here's the cool thing. You can start your own journey because we have the workouts that are available for you that are available for the at-home group as well. So you can begin your own journey at any time when you go to the Rob's Big Loser blog at hisradio.com. The one who put all the uh, workouts together for the at-home group and you is Leslie Knox from the YMCA of Greenville. She's along with us today, and I understand that there's this whole new blood pressure guideline now. We're used to it being one way. Now they switched it all up on us. 
more than half the U.S. adults have hypertension or what we call high blood pressure, what's normally known as high blood pressure. And there's a concern there because it's linked to other diseases, right? It's linked to diseases such as kidney disease, high cholesterol, um, heart disease, and stroke. So we need to be concerned about it. So there's new guidelines, I understand. What are these? How do you explain them? Okay, so in the past, we would see a red flag at 140 over 90, and now the American College of Cardiology and the American Heart Association changed the guidelines to a range of 130 to uh, 139 over 80 to 89, and that is considered stage one hypertension. So you mentioned hypertension. What can we do to help battle that? So why do you think my answer is going to be exercise and eat healthy? Why is that? <laughs> That's always my number one answer. You're so predictable. <laughs> I know. i got to change it up some. But, yeah, so there's saying even a little bit of exercise can help combat hypertension. But really, um, 90 minutes to 150 minutes of both strength training and cardio exercise is ideal. A week, a week, not a day. So I always want to make sure I point that out. But, yeah, and, of course, eat healthy. We want to watch our saturated fats, we want to watch total fats, we want to watch our sodium intake, and we want to increase our fruits and veggies, our low-fat dairy products, as well as our, um, what did I say, fruits, veggies, low-fat dairy, uh, dairy, dairy. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, we want to just be eating healthier. You say 90 to 150 minutes a week. That sounds pretty obtainable because some people will stay at the Y for like 90 minutes to 150 minutes a day. Yes, yes. And so we really want to make this something that's doable every day. So that's three days a week, right, um, at 30 minutes. And so if you combine those two every day and, you know, also, too, um, statistics are saying get out. We have a beautiful area, so the weather's getting better. So anything that's going to make you be more active is the key. Have you seen people fix hypertension with just diet and exercise and no medication? Yes, yeah, we. I, it's so exciting when that is part of the health journey, not only losing weight, but when we actually see people come off their meds because they've incorporated exercise into their routine. Leslie Knox, thank you so much. She is at the GHS Family YMCA as we speak right now, having our conversation together. If you would like to start your own journey as a Rob's Big Loser, you can. That's the good news. Just go to hisradio.com. You'll see the workout right there. That is hisradio.com, and you'll be able to start your own journey and follow the journey of those that have already begun. That's at hisradio.com for Rob's Big Loser. Rob, Allison, and Jim. Uncle Jim over here, our executive producer, has a strong feeling for cats and so there is a passion there is a joy to present to you yet another jim man cat story yes there is uh there's a cat named boo short it's short it's what they call him, boo short for what something else but uh in the uk they've had the most bitter cold weather they've had in 27 years 27 years so most people are inside, you know, huddle up around the fireplace. Not Boo. Boo's out playing in the snow. And there's a, the owner took a video of Boo mm -hmm. catching snowballs. You know, it kind of takes flight. Goes up about 500 feet. Seems like it. Okay, maybe four, three or four feet. Catches a snowball and comes back down. Just loves playing in the snow. Oh, the cat jumps. Yeah. Grabs the snow. Oh, yeah. that's cool. And it's all done in slow motion. Makes it even better. Right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I like doing stuff in slow motion myself. 
But this thing, of course, because it's a cat video, went crazy. And they had like over a million views, almost 34,000 likes, 13, almost 14,000 retweets. Amazing. This is on Twitter, kids. All right. <laughs> the Twitter? Yeah, it's on the Twitter. <laughs> and Twitter land. So, yeah, so uh, all the other Brits are just kind of cold, you know, shivering booze out there making it happen. Mm. All excited. And it's becoming a star on the internet, on the uh, interweb. <laughs> on the Twitter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Amazing. Thank you very much. And that's all I got. What kind of cat hangs out in your house? House, house cat. cat. What kind of cat hangs out in the alley? Alley cat. What kind of cat is a chocolate candy bar? Kit Kat. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of cat are you? What kind of cat are you? Tell me, tell me true. What kind of cat are you? I'll give you those clues. What kind of cat are you? My whiskers. His morning crew. A week ago, I went out for donuts with my family. My husband, Tim, and my five-year-old, Sammy, and I, we shared five of the most amazing donuts. It was a little bit of a splurge. I'm going to admit that. But I'm not going to say the name of the place because I don't want you to think poorly of it or like I'm bad-mouthing this place because it was amazing. But about an hour after our trip to the donut shop, my son proceeded to throw up Oh, maybe I should use another word since people might be eating breakfast. Yeah, you don't want to say upchucked. <laughs> Sorry. Or blow. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. He, so, um, his stomach was ill and he had after effects. Cookies. There yep. you go. Uh, four times in the back seat of our car. Oh. It was a big mess. Okay, it involved uh, stripping my son down to his skivvies on the side of the road. (laughs) It was not fun as a parent, but a stranger let us use his hose, his garden hose on the side of his house to spray things off and we Lysoled everything. Well, this weekend, we spent several more hours cleaning the car yet again because the stench is still there you guys did you did you hose out the inside of your car no we like took out the floor mat and the car seat and all of that his clothes like we sprayed all that stuff um so there is still a lingering odor and I'm thinking, am I going to have to sell my car? Is no. that what's next? Is that what this has come to? Yes. No. Yes. I'll give you a good deal. <laughs> what have you tried so far? Um, I mean, everything. So right away, we obviously cleaned it all. We Lysoled it all. I have taken the car seat out and doused it in baking soda and mm-hmm. let that sit overnight. And then I vacuumed that all up. And we have like taken everything out that we can and washed that separately. I also used essential oils and did my whole little, you know, make my own spray and stuff, which um, uh, my husband said, good thing you didn't get pulled over because there's like white powder everywhere in the car now and it looks really (laughs) weird. So a police officer might be suspicious. (laughs) I don't know, but. see a bug shot of Allison before we know it. It's baking soda, I swear. Wow. Okay, we have to help Allie. I mean, you probably have dealt with an odor at some time in something. Mm-hmm. So, Jim? how did Jim, you? Whoa, gotta, you oh, gotta yeah, have Jim. Some ideas. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Jim smells like mothballs sometimes. <laughs> I will say, I've never been in her car before until just a couple hours after that happened. They let me sit in the back seat where, the, where, nice. where it all happened. So, and I, what did you think? Well, I need the same thing for the pair of pants I was wearing. <laughs> so you understand my problem. <laughs> so what's the best tip for eliminating odors? I mean, what 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 did you do? What is your hack for getting rid of this 
lingering smell. Help. Mornings with Rob, Allison, and Jim. The calls, the texts are coming in. Allie has a little bit of a, a stomach pro Not her. I'm sorry. Her son had a stomach issue after a donut all over the car. And now the odor is there. So we're trying to help her get the odor out at 800-447-7234. Well, Jennifer has the answer. Says sprinkle cat litter all over the car seats and upholstery. Let it sit overnight. Vacuum up. Park in a sunny spot with all the doors and windows open. And then use a little bit of for breeze. Kitty litter. Can I borrow some kitty litter yeah, from I you, Yeah, I got Jim? some in the trunk right now. Awesome. <laughs> I just went to the store. <laughs> got to go to the expert source. Alma says sprinkle dry coffee grounds. Leave for a couple of hours and then vacuum. I'm thinking hmm. this is going to be quite the odor afterwards I now. know. Kitty coffee litter grounds. coffee. <laughs> coffee smells great. Get that thing off. Okay, Rachel has a thought. What do you think, Rachel? So my daughter threw up in the vehicle once, and um, it's the same thing. It took forever to get it out, but one of the things that helped was to roll up newspaper and with the baking powder and let it sit in the car overnight, and the, the newspaper helped to kind of absorb the smell. Allie said that she used um, uh, essential oils, but it, I don't know if she used purification, but that was one of the ones that we used that really kind of cleaned it and helped to remove that that's exactly what I use, purification, and I put a little bit of baking soda in the thing with, I think it was water, and then I just sprayed it all over the place. Yeah, so I will tell you, it, I mean, I cleaned my car like four times, but it finally got rid of it, and the purification is what really helped. So, I, <laughs> you might just have to try it a couple more cleaning. You, you said it took time. How much time? Over a week, I just kept, you know, cleaning it in the evenings and letting, like, the um, newspaper sit in the car overnight while we, you know, we weren't using it. Okay. So, so basically, this is my new part-time job. <laughs> His morning crew. Helping Allison with that smell that's in her car because her son got a little ill. It's not his fault. No, it's not his fault. He's five years old. Yeah, he just got a little sick four times. He got sick, actually. Wow, all off of a donut. Mm-hmm. Ooh, he had a little something before that. That's yeah. why he was so ill. So the suggestions are coming in. The tips are coming in on how they got rid of the odor in their own stuff at 800-447-7234. Sherry says leaving dryer sheets under the seats and in the visor of your car can help with the smell of vomit. Oh, for real. Mm. Good to know. And then uh, Ryan says, we've always used vanilla extract on, the, on cotton balls to get rid of the smoke smell in used cars. I like the one that said charcoal. I wonder how you display the charcoal. Do you just keep it in the bag or do you put it in a pan or a bucket or something like that? You put the whole grill back there. <laughs> okay. I don't know if that would work. There's been a lot of suggestions. There's kitty litter. There's coffee grounds. Uh, baking soda. Vinegar. Vin yeah, the vinegar stuff. Oh, dryer just, sheets. Dryer sheets. Wow. Cotton she, balls with vanilla extract. She should do all of it. My shopping list is getting quite long here. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder which one. You're going to try all of it? Sure, why not? All, yeah. Better than, better than puke. Rob, Allison, and Jim. From what I understand, I thought Jim had like a cat story, but I got it all wrong. Not cat hat story. Hats. Not a cat in a hat either. No. This is an artist in Tampa. You're neck of area where you grew up, Rob. Yeah. You probably know this guy. Uh, probably not. I've been away from there for a while. His name is uh, Odilon Oza, whatever. Let's call him dude. Yeah. His initials are OO. -O. I've never known anybody like that. Anyway, he's an artist in the Tampa area. Uh, 
and he just broke the record for the world's tallest hat. You were wondering who had that record? It's O-O. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know. O squared has that hat. How tall is it, you think? I'll tell you. No, come on, guess. 10 feet. No. 20. No. 30. Nah. 50. Okay, okay, stop. Stop. <laughs> Let's go back to Allison. <laughs> it, the record was nine foot something. It's okay. 18 foot nine inches. It's very convenient to wear this hat around. But, you know, there's some uh, there's some issues with it. You can hear him talk about. You can't move much. If you move, it's going to fall over. <laughs> People who do things differently are always looked at as an unusual. And then when the world comes around to understand them and adapt those things, then it become they become visionaries. Right now, I maybe you might think it's a little silly to wear a very tall top hat, but in 10 years from now, this may catch on. You may see George Clooney wearing the top hat on the runway. I don't know. He'll Probably be like not. in his yeah. 80s. He'll he, fall over. He doesn't walk the runway anymore, but I can see his point. That's Odalyn, by the way. I know who that guy is. Oh. Odalyn Ozair. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Your BFFs? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, man. We go way back. Oh, oh. His morning crew with Rob, Allison, and Jim.